welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Tis the season to get glammy! I'm nominated for two 2022 Glam Awards for Best Podcast and Best Writer Blogger, and I need your help to win. This year, both categories are in the public choice voting, so the public will determine who wins. All you need to do is go to glamawards.net, click the tab for People's Choice, and vote. You might only be allowed to use your email once, so you better tell all your friends, family, enemies, hell, even tell the hot lifeguard, the captain of the yacht you frequent, and the monster from the ocean depths. And I repeat, tell everyone. Oh, and while you're at it, visit my Instagram and click the link tree to find out how you can help fund our adventure to London to cover DragCon UK. Your donation might get you an exclusive Block Talk pin. How cool is that? And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. The bottom feeders are fighting! It was an explosive evening of drama that had nothing to do with the love triangle, which might be the most shocking thing that has happened this entire season. So was it the pressure that was bubbling to the surface or could someone just not handle the fact that they were about to be eliminated anyway? It's time to talk all things Dragula Titans and joining me to swim through this recap is Zora Speakeasy. How are you? Uh, I am delightful, especially after that fun introduction. I feel like... uh... Oh, I have so many thoughts because the uh-huh. person that did go home is also a fellow Capricorn sister. And we'll talk about why that matters to me at least. But I'm good. Are you as feisty as your fellow Capricorn sister? When I too am hurting, yes. Occasionally I've been That's told. Fair. That's fair. Um, I am an Aquarius. I don't know what that means anymore. <laughs> no one cares about Aquarians. Not really. I mean, you and let's say uh, you and two of my coworkers are the only Aquarians that I know. So I care about the three of y'all. But generally speaking, yeah, I feel like Aquarius is kind of more of the salt of the zodiac. You go in everything and you don't mix things up, but you also are still vital. Exactly. Um, as I like to remind people, um, they're like, what kind of tattoo would you get if you ever got a tattoo? And I always say, well, I want to it would be my sign. Then I look at what the sign is. I'm like, this is fucking boring. It's two lines. Yeah. Yeah, we get the shaft on that one. But anyway, <laughs> as always, I must leave a disclaimer. This is an entertainment podcast. We're discussing reality TV show characters as presented to us through reality television production. We are shown what the editing of the television show wants to see. We react to what's presented. Yes, these are real people that give them an opportunity to go on television and share their craft, but they have also put themselves in a position to be discussed what is said on the podcast and for entertainment to discuss reality television show. All right. Just putting it out there because this is the one where I'm probably going to lay in pretty damn hard. Well, let's do it, friend. All right seven episodes in how are you enjoying this quote-unquote all-star season i think it is pretty good i would say going in i was not ready for nor prepared for how much they were going to invest in the reality tv show aspect of it um in fact that's why i liked watching dragula in between drag races is because i get a different flavor of drag on Mm -hmm. tv so Mm -hmm. Now that it's starting to look a bit similar and feel a bit similar to Drag Race and other drag content on TV, I'm like, all right, Uh, but at least it's still giving me that horror that I love. Yeah. Am I pissed about certain subplots not being anything? Absolutely. That. Um, I think the drag elements of this show, like some of the best this franchise has ever had. Um, It's just, I don't know what AMC told them but they are like 
giving us content in forms of drama that doesn't mean anything to the actual show. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the second step is, okay, you've got the gossip and the malicious gay faggotry down. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you actually incorporate it so that it actually has consequence? <laughs> exactly. And I've said it every week, it's the rules of the season that just pissed me off. If you kept it like we did episode one, this would be a fantastic show. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, you live and you learn. Exactly. But we are back in the boudoir to find out what ha- happened out in the Ghost of Gallows. Melissa is excited as she won last week's challenge and Astrid is now the only one without a win. She will reveal without actually revealing the specificity that with her relationship problems and her emotions, Melissa gave it her all in the wrestling. And she meant it every time she landed a punch, to which Astrid is like, well, I needed a nose job anyway. Um, I need Botox, I think. I mean, honestly, and Astrid needs something to talk about and to comment on, so... Now, Astrid feels more bonded after the challenge and says any tension she had with Melissa is now gone. Melissa will say it to Astrid's face that she let go of what she was holding on to in the D&D challenge, but roll back those confessionals. Come on, Two-Face lady. It's so funny what what you define as Two-Face, because sometimes folks are actually being Two-Faced, and the times that they're calling out, I'm like... Just because someone is being inconsistent now. Sure. Correct. And Doesn't she's the, being two-faced. And that's the thing that got me this entire episode. She's saying all these things and very angry about it. I'm like, girl, go watch what you just did because you do it exactly what you're saying you don't like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know, like I said, we'll get to it. when you're hurting, you tend to project. Now, who is coming back? Well, they have no idea, but come on, they know. Let's let, let's not pretend that they didn't know. They 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 knew. They're yeah. not that dumb. Astrid wants Hoso to stay, but she thinks Eva will stay as she showed more passion. But Melissa thinks that Eva gave her heart in the cauldron, but Astrid will share that there were things that Eva said that made her uncomfortable. As per usual, we have a flashback as the reference point was not actually shown to us as Astrid is referring to Eva saying that she may not be kind to the people behind the camera. This is the thing that's really bothering me this season. It's like, why are we doing flashbacks? Just show us in real time. Yeah, yeah. Cut out the crap. It's funny because part of me thinks that they just got so much footage and they were like, oh shit, we don't have space to actually squeeze in the things that were actually being shown and referenced. So they kind of figured it out. But yeah. Coco didn't think that Eva was attacking Astrid. She thinks it's Astrid speaking from a guilty conscience. Well, Eva walks in and like the theater kid she is, she makes an entrance and will milk Hoso's fate as she's the only one in the room that actually knows she stayed. Eva will paint this picture that they were holding each other. Hoso didn't want to go. Now, we know that Hoso is behind that wall, but Astrid, thinking Hoso's not actually there, will admit that maybe Eva wanted it more and Hoso didn't fight as hard. Well, we know, and like my other good Capricorn sis, Coco knows Mm -hmm. as well, because I would be her in that exact room like, this is going on a little long. What's happening behind me? If y'all go back and watch, as Eva is discussing being respectful of the dead, you will see Miss Coco Kane cock her head back toward the door because she knows what's up. She's not dumb. Thank you. She knows. As Astrid's like, I think Hosa would want to see me go further. The bitch goes psych and Hosa's back in the room. Yes. Um, I really think this was a setup. There's a lot of things set up on this show. And I think this was one of them. 
Um, but uh, maybe these girls do need some Emmy awards. They're doing really well in the acting. They are trying their best. I feel like everyone is giving it 130% when Mm -hmm. it comes to the faux drama department. Uh, But I would love to see some of that energy also, you know, channeled Mm -hmm. into some of the choices they're making on the show, not just the choices they're making in conversation. Speaking of choices, what is the first thing that Hosta does when she walks in? She goes to Astrid to share a kiss. So there's that. Now, we do have a singular moment right here where not only will Coco tell Eva she's a good actress to her face and then say the opposite in the confessional, it will be joked about that Eva is the culprit of the missing and destroyed items. Um, Will we get a resolution to that plot line? I guess we'll wait another week. Will we, Michael, will we? I don't know. (laughs) They know. The show knows. They said y'all are here for the drama. It doesn't matter if the drama is consistent. It just has to be dramatic. We are I basically watching like, the soap. I feel like if we are going to get a resolution, it's going to happen at like the Last Supper and they're going to be like, roll the tape. Um, and it's going to be worse because you know everyone's going to say, but what you didn't see or well mm-hmm. behind the cameras or well in my DMs. Well, we so- know it's Coco who fucked it up for herself. We know she's a messy bitch and that's what happened. And that's fine. Um, it's just a really odd plot line. Fair. Now, Hoso has a gagatandra to tell them that there is a consequence for them both being saved. She and Eva reveal that saving them both comes with consequences, and Victoria thinks if anyone should suffer, it should be Eva and Hoso as they are getting it because of them. Is this just a snuff film? Are they all going to die? Well, the alarm's blare, so we're going to go find out what's about to happen. Now, on the main stage, we have this week's video message from the Belays, where they reveal that these poor unfortunate souls will be taking a deep dive into the Seven Seas for their Sea Monster Challenge. <laughs> they will need to use their imaginations to conceptualize and create a new look inspired by the horrors of the deep. Their demented little minds must come up with something terrifying or their ship might get sunk. For this week's fright feat, they will have to crawl through rotten waterlogged pipes that will lead them either safely out to sea or straight to a deep dark watery grave. Once they find the grate that leads to the ocean, they will have to enter a code that if entered correctly will drop the gate down and will allow them to pass through. Otherwise they'll be stuck there. They tell them they hope they can hold their breath because there are only a few minutes and the pipes will be filled with water and there's no way out. Now, all that sounds horrifying and like a great challenge, right? wrong Mm -hmm. that's not what we're about to see but don't worry we'll get to it the inconsistencies also apparently translate to production choices too but you know it's fine it's fine now here here's the thing when rupaul films these video messages they're so generic that if things change within real time it doesn't matter because Rue will show up and give them what the actual thing's happening. Boulets don't want to be seen out of drag, so they're never going to do that. They're not going to be in drag every freaking day of production. So they film these things with all the rules, all the challenges, and then we watch it and we're like, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we're going to head to the Fright Feet. And by Fright Feet, I mean we are back at the horror house known as 17th Door. Yes, this is still the place where all the scary things happen. You can go to the 17th door. You have to sign a waiver because some of the shit that happens there is actually terrifying, like this challenge. Um, Before we discuss the actual mechanics of this, how would you do with this Fright Feet? Oh, no. Mm -mm. I will always say one of the reasons why I love Dragula is because them folks are built differently. (laughs) There is no way in the world I am getting into that. Mm Mm-mm. 
What about, uh, what about the um, arm wrestling? Could you do that one? I mean, granted, I am feisty and I do like to fight and tussle, but I don't have that much upper body strength. She's dainty. That's so. fair. That's fair. Now, so here, 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 he, listen, listen, friends. He, th- th- there's no crawling. There's no multiple options. They are put into the contraption where it's maneuvered to be tilt to feel like they are being dropped into water. If you watch, they are going to crawl in and they're immediately at the lock. So why even scare them into saying this shit is going to happen? The audience at this point is not that dumb. The internet exists. Reddit exists. It's been debunked. We know the location of this horror house. Why even pretend? For the queer imagination. Let's do it for that. Also, there's no code. It's a lock. It's a fucking lock. Well, I was looking at it and I was like, there's no way that they could possibly guess the combination. It was way too many permutations of that. (laughs) Right. And so also everyone at some point just started scrolling. (laughs) Right. So we're going to witness... We're going to witness a lot of acting and using the words fuck and oh my God, and this pretend acting is the best you're going to get here. As far as the actual fear, this was intense. This was the most intense we've gotten this season. Um, If you are claustrophobic, this one will not be for you. If you have a fear of drowning in water, this one is not going to be for you. But if you will notice above their heads and their uh, shoulders, there is a padded bar that gets dropped down so they do not tumble when the lockers do start to get submerged. Yes. Um, Because that would be fun. Because again, this is not meant for the monsters. It's meant for real people who pay to go for this experience. Ah, okay. I've watched a lot of Survivor and we just saw two contestants hack the under the water great challenge. Um, So I'm like, oh my God, holy crossover. This is easy, Batman. In the end, they all survive. There's no opening lock. Literally, the thing just goes down. There's no numbers to be put in. Um, I wish I could just put everything away and say, I disbelieve everything. This is real. I can't anymore. I just can't. Well, you know, I feel like maybe this is their, you know, proof of concept to AMC. You invested so much in this on the ground level with us upgrading ourselves and now next season give us more money and we'll hide the body bags they literally uh, two seasons before they had money from amc got a freaking plane and made two people jump out of it where's those challenges thank you i miss those moments i miss moments where someone had to take a shot of tequila before they could jump out of the plane (laughs) and literally one of them gets eliminated because they didn't do it that's what this season needs remember when someone's going to come back if they don't do a challenge that well, and honestly, I kept thinking, okay, that was how they were going to bring like someone a part of this threesome. That was how they were going to bring this again. person back. Or <laughs> I thought it was going to be, you know, something that was going to cause a shakeup in the competition. Like if Vicky went home, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But no. No. Rules, they're stupid. They don't matter. Mm-hmm. Now the monsters return to the boudoir and they're like, oh my God, we're wet. But no, you didn't actually just walk down the hallway to get there. It's actually like a 40-minute drive. But um, these bitches put water on in the bathroom and pretended. So who cares? They all survived. No one's ever <laughs> returning because someone's never going to fail. That concept's good, good idea, bad execution. But Now, Coco will say that she is an expert at drowning and reveals that when she was young, a group of kids dared her to jump off a diving board into a pool. They didn't know she couldn't swim, but she did. She was at the bottom of the pool looking up, watching her friends watch her drown. In that moment made her realize her priorities and that she did not need the validation of any of those people as they are some of the people watching her dying. It 
taught her about value and how precious life is. Mm -hmm. And I say, this is the shit the show needs to tap into more. Give us the real world affects them, how it affects them in the game show. Trauma is real. This challenge was trauma. This is the OG Dragula that made the show so unique. Yeah. It's funny because I completely agree with you, as is the kind of mini fights that don't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's also part, that's also been a part of Dragula's existence. And I feel like because they've scaled up all of Dragula, that includes they've now magnified uh, the gossip and faux drama right. that we're realizing, oh, wait, let's do some editing ourselves. Let's edit that part out from right. our actual concept. They didn't need it. I will say that Coco, like every other Capricorn, has had to deal with trauma from a very young age. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for me, it was losing the spell and being in fourth grade, but everyone's journey <laughs> is different. And I do think it's important to center that. And also I'm like, I'm also happy that they're getting more out of Coco beyond just that story, because I would hate for them to only show that part of Coco's journey or give her that talking point. My question was, was this bit included because it's her time to go or is it because she's a potential winner? I think it's because she's a potential winner. I think so too. Um, they're just like they had their chance early on to get rid of her. They decided to keep her. There's a reason why they're keeping her. Is she maybe not the best Dragula contestant? It's up there. Is she excellent reality TV? Brilliant. Oh, absolutely. Brilliant. Put her on like Bad Girls Club, put her on all the shows. I'll watch it. Coco is a fully realized both character and persona and then also it comes from so deep within Coco Mm -hmm. that it just feels like she's operating in her own reality and we're all just revolving around it like even the boulets when they're looking at some of her looks which we'll talk about later on of course like sometimes you're like wait am I being slightly gaslit because like I'm on a string right but then you're like well okay I see it now and it's just this fantastic element of blackness that I love too yeah I'm very excited for her to tour the world get some more coin work with some collaborators she can knock it out of the park I know and I feel like you know when she and Vicky split this money (laughs) that they both can invest in whatever they would like and for Coco hopefully that will mean upping up that design team so that she can mm-hmm. execute to the nth of her abilities. Absolutely. Coco will say that they don't use the term force around her, um, but the show has a way to encourage you to face the things that are your obstacles and how you can't run away from your fears. And if you do, it's only time before you face it square it back in the face. They are humans after all. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a little bit of time to catch up for Eva and Victoria. Why? Plotline. Victoria will tell Eva and Hoso, who happens to be there, that some of the others were talking before they returned that Eva was being kind of performative with how she was coming off. Was it because Eva is a theater kid and eccentric? Well, that's why Victoria thinks the reasoning is. She just finds her passionate and uses big words and theater kids just talk differently. (laughs) Do we? Yeah. (laughs) We do. Yeah. Now, Coco apparently was standing there the entire time, which I was like, oh, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't know the cameras didn't want to show Eva. Fine. She tells Eva and Astrid um, that Astrid didn't like her calling her unprofessional production. Yes. Eva says it wasn't it was about that and she shouldn't have made the moment about herself. She doesn't think she's being performative at all. She's only performative when there's a performance challenge. Mama, Eva is such a theater kid because she thinks that she is slammed with these lines. It was one of those things where she wasn't at the beginning of the season. And then once they called her a theater kid, she's like, 
going to amplify that. That's oh, my persona. absolutely. She's getting the Dragula, uh, what? The Dragula Rachel Berry edit, essentially. Literally. Now, Eva goes on to say that she can't tell someone her entire life that she's being genuine and not being performative. She don't have time for that bullshit. Now, as this chat is happening, we should remind everyone that the boudoir is small. We've got Astrid and Melissa across the room, and they can totally hear this chat. Now, in confessional, we will have Melissa tell us that this is the stuff she can't handle as she can't focus with all the drama going on around her. And I was like, girl, you're on a queer reality TV show. We, we thrive on drama. What did you think you were walking into? But we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Now, Astra does not want to be distracted by the bullshit either. And I guess with the love triangle gone, we needed to concoct another drama out of thin air. Melissa is now going to be pissed off that Astrid is going to inject herself into the drama. So let me just get this straight. If people are talking shit about you, you would prefer that person say nothing because it hurts your head. Melissa, girl, you're delusional. This entire episode, not a good look. I, okay. So maybe it's just because she is, like I keep saying, a fellow Capricorn sister. And so I'm not giving her the benefit of the doubt, but I'm like noticing common strategies. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, right now, do I think you're being batshit crazy? Yes. Is it because you're like, oh shit, I've spun myself into this and there's no way to go but to continue to build on it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, as Astrid lurks behind Eva, she will address the word on the street that she had a problem and Astrid will say she didn't have a problem but a negative energy because there was targeted subtext. Eva will say there was nothing that was directed at her because if she was going to direct something at her, she's going to look her dead in the eyes and say it to her face. Mm-hmm. Geese don't do that. We don't talk to people in their eyes and face. We talk behind their back. I mean, when you have a theater kid, theater kid face off, <laughs> that's what happens. You have to Literally. really drive the point home and show them that this monologue that I've been talking about for the last 15 minutes, oh, I can quote it word for word to you directly. <laughs> Astra thinks that Eva was performative in her speech in order to put her down and make herself look better. But Astra will bring up that things that Eva had said in the cauldron, but not to her face prior, like how her sci-fi look looked unfinished. Another moment of wanting to put her and Hoso in the bottom just for the drama. She thinks that these were unknown things to her until her head was on the chopping block. But Eva will tell her if she is going to call her out, she will. Now in a moment of great editing, we will have Eva talk about being a thespian to which the camera stays on Hoso and we have the internal monologue of her asking, is a thespian a theater lesbian? Does she have the merch yet? Has she made the merch? All I'm saying, do it before I do. Fortunately, Literally. I have ADHD, which means I can't execute on eight different things like I want to, <laughs> but... Now, Melissa's in the corner and she will keep saying that she can't deal with it anymore and it's getting too much. Melissa will say that she keeps going on and on like the energy energizer buddy. We don't know who the she in the conversation is. Is she referring to Eva or Astrid? There we go. Or just everyone who isn't her. But like be professional. Yes. I'm going to say yes to all those questions. (laughs) Um, She thinks her and Coco are the only ones who are professional and keeping the eyes on the prize and getting their shit done. Now, Eva will apologize for not making it a better situation where she and Astrid could have had a private conversation, but then says at the same time, she just misinterpreted it. I just hate that the buzzword on Dragula ever since last season is professional and professionalism. Yes. Um, because Hoso being accused of being unprofessional. Where is the line of reality and the reality show? Like how much does being professional truly come into play on this show? 
I don't. So, I mean, relatively speaking, not even relatively, objectively speaking, nowhere in the right. sense of how they're defining professionalism and what that would look like to be like fully carried out and be consistent throughout their entire, first of all, edit, <laughs> let alone right. what the kind of raw footage of it is. So I don't think is that, uh, I guess, honestly, what they're talking about is really maturity, possibly. I think so. I really think maturity is the right word. Um, because we, 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 I'm sure you and I know many people who, um, are actually unprofessional, um, but they still get their gigs. They get their coin. They're doing fine. Exactly. Um, they just also happen to just not be the most mature about things. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a really difficult thing to watch and hear people being accused of being unprofessional. You're on a reality TV show. Like in a way, sometimes all rules are out the window. And if we're talking about professionalism, are you talking about in this particular context of being a reality TV show of me being casted in a reality TV program? Like mm-hmm. if that is what we're looking at, then yeah, I'm being a professional. I'm, I am employee of the month. Right. <laughs> so like, what it, do you mean by being a professional? It's really drawing that line of, is this like season one where this was just a bunch of people doing a gig for the Boulay brothers? Or is this now a tried and true reality show where your gig is being a reality show character yeah this isn't like a gig um down at precinct in la like you're not just doing a gig and have to be professional that way you are here to make good television yep 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 and that's hard because i think for different kinds and forms of drag that might lend itself more to adapting to that more than others and one thing that i love about dragula is that i've always felt it all of its contestants feel like they're not being forced into a show. Like Mm -hmm. it does feel like no matter what they're going to do or how they're going to place, it is something that feels authentic for them to be there. Right. Versus I don't think everyone who is on Drag Race or everyone that has applied to be on Mother's Show uh, (laughs) feels like it's an authentic choice for them. So, right. But we'll see after this. I feel like now folks who are interested in drag are going to think about, okay, what do I need to bring in reality TV show-wise to kind of stand out? Exactly. Kind of sucks. Yeah. It's time to start working on those sea monster looks. Coco's inspiration states that she is inspired by the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Interesting choice, but more on that later. She is creating a seahorse for what she calls the Aquapolis. Okay. I see what you did there. Dad joke recognizes dad joke. Mm-hmm. She's using wire to help give the structure to the vinyl to which she'll then wrap foam clay around to sculpt and shape the fins. And she is a My Little Pony fan. So she, this creature will have hooves and fins. And that's where I was like, okay, I'm lost again. But hey, you live in your cocoa world and somehow this works through the water. Okay, let's just like break all that up. <laughs> she said, seahorse, I'm going to give you a full horse. Seahorse, full horse. There's that. And then there is also the metaphor within the metaphor yeah which is aggressive i think however at the same time coco being a brownie both works rhetorically and also just for my fantasy (laughs) yeah so i love that part of it uh and also it sounds just crazy enough that it if it fully came to life in the way that i think everyone wanted Mm -hmm. uh not to bury the lead then yeah possibly but we'll see Melissa is inspired by a mermaid and a fish. She has iridescent vinyls she'll be losing to, for, to make fins and a headpiece. 
And she knows she has fucked up in the prosthetics department. So she decided to do it again. But not full, it's just the mouth. We're going to save that critique for later. Hoso is going with a hagfish. Have you heard of a hagfish before? So fortunately, uh, my partner knows all things about animals, uh, or at least that's what I like to say. He probably would argue about that. But yes, I have heard of a hagfish. And I was like, hey, Mike, just to make sure I'm not crazy, isn't this what a hagfish is? And he showed me and I was like, oh, got it. I didn't know what it was. When I did Google hagfish, I got a character from SpongeBob. Yes. She's going to talk about it as if we all know what a hagfish is. She says, when you think of a hagfish, you think it's the gross, slimy, ugly, unwanted bottom feeders. I know a bunch of those twinks in Astoria. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. They run our community. They sure are new. She's going to give us a fun fact about Korean people that they are the only people on earth that consume hagfish as a food. This is the Dragula I like. I like learning as we're watching. Right? More of this, please. She wanted to do the hagfish as it reminded her of when she went to the market with her mom and would see them there. And she tells us that the hagfish has the line of teeth that pop out when they're feeding so that she will create that on her headpiece with foam clay. We're going to get a little bit of a tutorial on foam clay that you have to form the shape. And as it dries, then you can add the exact shape and texture. That's cool. That's the thing that made Dragula unique is we never got that kind of thing on Drag Race. And that was fine, but we got mm-hmm. it here. And I was like, yes, now we learn how to do drag. Yes. And seeing them get their hands literally dirty has been so fun to watch across all those seasons. And even just this season, I have loved like craft session with Coco. And we're going to talk about just how real some of that actually is later on this episode, because the show has evolved. The show has changed and certain people have feelings about that. Speaking of Victoria, uh, she was inspired by her season two audition tape where she was a sea monster cutting off a mermaid's tail. She's going to go with a very organic approach. She used real porcupine quills for the spine and color changing paint, which is a pigment that changes with temperature. And she's hoping it will give the effect of her sea monster that it's camouflaged. Uh, Be careful what you wish for. She will then accentuate the wrinkling in the sculpture with white paint. And she's very excited to see how it looks. The day is done. It's time to go back to their coffins for a sleep. And now it's the next day. It's the day of the sea show. And Hoso is ready to be submerged into deep waters. Now, who's nervous? Well, Eva will do the math. And depending on how the consequences will go, if it'll happen now or later, this is when she went home around this time. And her goal is to know what the finale exists like. Um, so let's have a chat. Let's find out who's going to make it to the end. Well. Astrid says that based on track record, Victoria will be there. And based on everything that her drag represents, so will Coco. She'll say herself for the third spot. All right, that makes sense. Melissa will go with Victoria and Coco because of the hard work she has been putting in. Coco would like to go to the finale with Melissa and Hoso. Hoso is going to cop out completely and say the season four girls are going to take the top spots. And it's like, loser, come on. Victoria will say Hoso and Eva alongside herself. And remember that conversation you had, Astrid? It was all a lie. Yeah. Now, Coco will discuss that perhaps rather than deservedness, what would impact on drag and the world look like? She points out with Vicky that God himself knows that she's fucking talented and she'll always have that reach and feels like some people will 
never have that. So her position in the end might mean more to them as the opportunity they'll never get again or in the future ever at all. Victoria will be honest and say that she feels like it's her time and it's a very fair argument. But she says that she's worked her ass off for years and this is what she wanted for so long. So she's not going to let it down. It's hers. This was a really interesting conversation here because I think Coco wanted to say more mm-hmm. without saying more because she knew how certain parts of the fandom would react. Yes. Yes. It's a very valid conversation because if we look at the makeup of the winners of the show who have been in the finale before, it's missing a very specific demographic. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, And getting even more complicated with all the off-camera, off-camera drama with Saint as of recently. So (laughs) that makes this conversation specifically resonant uh, and even more so because of what's happening with that. I mean, I definitely think it's part of the conversation, but should not be the entire conversation. Absolutely. And there are times where... I've been grateful in some ways that I may not have gotten an opportunity because I didn't have the experiences or the skills yet to really leverage that. So hopefully whoever gets the crown is ready for what that will mean because they will be the first Dragula All-Stars winner. And with that comes something. So we'll see. I mean, based on how the Drag Race show works, if you're the first of something, there is an expectation. there's There's a prominence that you have to uphold because um, if you don't, then the next person who gets it, they're going to take that title right away from you. Like, uh, does anyone even talk about Chad Michaels anymore? No. no. I know. Yeah. Once Alaska won, it was over. She she really was the first winner of All-Stars in many people's eyes. And then it kept building with Trixie. So then from there, so on and so forth. I mean, granted, everyone, well, not everyone. There are a lot of folks that think that Shangela should have won that season. But that's neither here nor there, especially as of recent news. Um, but yeah. <laughs> We will see what this person will do. Also, I think it will really impact whether or not people choose to come back or will they have to scrape the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, of past contestants. Right. Um, I mean, I, I almost want to do like a deep dive analyzing this cast after the knowledge that came out after the fact. Yes. Um, because I still was like, why Kendra? Why Kendra? And, and I think we know why Kendra, because... Um, she probably was seventh, eighth ask. Um, and other people said no because of their experience. But Ooh. regardless, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Toko had a good episode in conversations. This is what the show needs to keep doing. Fuck the stupid, petty drama that means nothing to the actual show. This is a conversation that means something to people. I think what's so hard is figuring out how to balance that with yeah. other light conversation. And the light conversation doesn't have to be drama or super no. dramatic. It can be also like shocker, comedic, funny. Uh, Make a tinfoil hat. That's fun. Thank you. You learn thank about you. people that way. And then figure out what that looks like in the context of your show. Don't exactly. try to be like anybody else. Mm-hmm. Granted, I'll allow this first season, but the second season, mama, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> if they get a second season. Now, Eva, our friend Eva, she's got to tell everyone what her pick is. And she will immediately say her top three her Victoria Hoso, which will then get Melissa to chime in and say, that sounded mad. And I was like, you're the bitch who don't want drama and you literally just started it. 
Victoria will take the moment to say that they they were all overlooking Eva, so she doesn't blame her. But Eva was like, no, 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 that's not what's happening. Melissa then pipes in again and says she sounded mad because she said it on period. Oh, okay. The room is very confused. Hoso's caught off guard. She doesn't think that Eva said her comment in a pointed way. Maybe Melissa's mad that no one said her name aside from Coco. Coco will note that something is off with Melissa as Melissa will continue with Eva by saying that if her and Coco didn't mention her name, she would have felt some kind of way. Did I miss something? How did we get here? I mean, I do appreciate that they have Hoso saying in confessional that, yeah, something's going on. Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, I think they cut to Coco first because Coco's like, something's off with Melissa today. Yes. And it, just, it, it becomes like every third confessional is something about Melissa. So they're definitely laying on the breadcrumbs, which I mm-hmm. kind of appreciate because it would be crazy to get rid of her. And at the same time, they're like fully laying out the case or an edited case as to yeah. why she voluntarily leaves the competition, not she was sent home. Correct. Eva will say that she doesn't want words put in her mouth. And while it may look like that, she doesn't take anything personally. And Melissa is like, it sounded like it. And Eva will say that she knew her answer because she had time to think, which is a very fair point. Very well noted. She was the last to say something because maybe there was another editing moment and, and Coco's conversation with Victoria happened after the fact. But in this moment, she had actual time to decide what she was going to say. Astrid believes perhaps Melissa's feeling insecure. Eva thinks she's just not sharing everything and she's confused by the confrontation. Now, Melissa will say that if it comes down to picking and choosing consequences, she knows what she's going to do. And Eva will make a snide remark asking, is this middle school? What will you say to someone who's angry? Because Melissa jumps down her throat and accuses Eva of being the person of saying something and then going back on what she said and as it's not how she meant it. And she will point out that Astrid, with Astrid, they talked about how annoying she was and then she said it to her. Time and place, time and place. Eva will say to her that it had nothing to do with her. And then immediately in confessional, Melissa will admit she's doing what she is accusing Eva of as she says that she knows something's off with her. Um, she's just trying to keep it together. Yeah. But part two to come. We'll get to it. But at least they can all agree how annoying Astrid is. I mean, look, everyone has their days, but we... We're right twice a day, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, you got to commend Astrid at this point. Like she gets shit on every day here and she's taking it like a trooper, like a true bottom. I mean, honestly, while she did say that she has done the work, whatever that means, um, to be prepared for this new round of Dragula. And maybe that's really what it is, that she can see that some of it is like the show and she was casted as a particular character and she's yeah. trying to get the most out of it. That's being generous, but who knows? The alarm sounds, you know what that means, ugly. It's go to the main stage, but actually, no, just keep doing what you're doing. That is my least favorite part. I hate it. It's so like, everyone's... I, I've said it every time on the podcast, Ugh. I want one week, they have to go out with what they're wearing. That's the challenge I want. Absolutely, absolutely. Could you imagine that actually was like the Fright Fest, but they didn't tell them? I'm here for it. That's what I want. All right, we're going to get to the main stage. You see the Boulets in a very um, not nautical garb. Yeah. I mean, I love that these robes are really pretty, but surely there's something underneath because this looks like mail order. I mean, no one says anything when RuPaul doesn't adhere to the theme. So right. 
but I just think more so that they, they come for Eva early on the season as mail order. And this is literally from a, like Amazon. Come on. Um, no, the I hair, know. the hair is exceptional. I love that hair. That was one of the best they've worn in a while. Now join the delays. It's winners only. It's the true queen of queens who knows a thing or two about returning to the competition and rewriting their destiny. It's Twitter's favorite problem child, but one of my faves, Saint. And alongside her is the current reigning super monster, the super sexy Dali. I don't want to necessarily rehash all of the drama that's been going on because there's really nothing new that's happened since I guess last week, but um, the timing, the timing. Is, in the words of Hoso, like, what did you say, Gagarini? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um... This was fascinating. Utterly. I, I, I really can't wait for someone to really reveal all. Like, I, I've, I, Saints and I have chatted before about potentially coming on the podcast. Um, I don't know if she wants to interview uh, now because, um, things, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. If I did, I, I always ask my guests when I do an interview, like, what do you not want to talk about? I'm sure that would be number one. Yes. So, I, I mean, I would get people to click but no one would actually hear what they want to hear (laughs) um but yeah it's really upsetting to see this conversation happen the way it's been happening um because the bigger story is if there are that many people who are upset with production shouldn't that be the conversation we're having not the drama that surrounds it i mean it is hilarious because i have heard nothing from the boulets or anything from anyone else outside that group that is currently having to navigate it, unfortunately. And thankfully, I will say that because it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, damn, it sucks. But the thing that makes me laugh so hard is I could imagine that someone who was like working on this episode might've thought the biggest gag is having Dolly and Astrid in one room together with Dolly having to judge Astrid. But actually the gag that no one saw coming or didn't even intend is for Saint to look batshit crazy. <laughs> All right. In honor of the floor show, we will be playing Rising Tide or Bottom Feeder. We will start off with Hoso. Look by Hoso. I think in the stage lighting, it's a pretty interesting silhouette and concept. Does she look like a shrimp? Yeah, perhaps. Um, I did not necessarily see nautical. It's very small in comparison to the rest of the cast. That's not something she can do at this point in the competition. You've got to stand out. But I think Hosa was a very fascinating drag artist, but in this competition setting, I fear that she needs to push herself into the box, be more accessible, um, because she could have simplified it and she could have knocked it out of the park. Now, as far as the bottom half of the work, it's a drag interpretation. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the judges who have a preconceived notion of what they wanted this challenge to be, and they're going to call out what that was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just want to focus on the fact that it does not look like a hagfish. Like, it, if it, it sucks because I am fine for all kinds of interpretations of drag and drag performance. Like, myself as a non-binary performer, that shocker does not wear wigs. Uh, I know many people are asking. But <laughs> at the same time, if you aren't able to execute that needed difference, <laughs> right? what does that mean? Like... Mama, it wasn't a hagfish. No. 
Saint says this is a tough one, and she knows her and says this seems really safe. She says she thinks this is one of the moments where she wishes she was hit over the head with what it was because she didn't have a clue. Is it an eel? Is it a crab? Is it a plankton? She was lost. She says she didn't push the envelope like she usually does. Dolly says the look is beautiful with the colorization and veining that she's done on the fabric. They say the airbrushing is immaculate but could not figure out what she was for the life of them. They were getting more insects until they saw the tail. Swan says she is a fan of almost everything she does because she invents her in, invites her into her fantasy world and can latch on to what she's doing, except for tonight. She was confused the entire time and never ending knowing what the sea monster was. And Drax says crab monster of the deep and seeing the aquatic in the look, but was lost by the thigh down as she was just heels and pants. And it took her out of the fantasy. It's from the waist up. She's a thousand percent committed to the look. She says it's a little confusing. I'll give it like the softest rising tide because it's still a, a, an interesting look. Yeah, yeah. It, it just doesn't fit the brief. And I think, so for two seconds, I thought that she didn't finish the bottom. That, yeah. okay, she just had to go with it. She didn't have time. So she just made something. But it does look like an intentional choice, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, the uh, hustle turns around and we see that tail. Right. So- I don't know. I, I don't know what happened here because this feels like something that Hoso would easily like knock out of the park. But yeah. this week, maybe it was all the, I almost said workroom drama. Maybe it was all the, <laughs> it was all the drama this week. Yeah. I'll give it a rising tide. Yeah. Audience, 70% rising tide, 30% bottom feeder. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Astrid, no designers listed. I think this looks so cool. I love that she is an octopus person. The way the tentacles just came out of the legs and arms was miraculous. I didn't mind the headpiece in the beak. I just wish that perhaps the beak part was part of the headpiece and like mm-hmm. sat on the forehead. The garment itself is very much of a certain time and evoked the spirit of the sea. I think maybe one bad week on season four sent Astrid home, but based on this display this season, she might've actually been a contender. She's becoming really strong in the dark horse of the season when it comes to the drag, but due to this stupid plot line they force her in, she's, there's no hope she's going to win. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think Astrid is doing fantastic in the competition aspect of it, what we're allowed to see. But as far as the reality TV show things, yeah, she's being painted as someone very annoying that we're not supposed to like, or that we're at the very least supposed to find her not fun or comfortable to be around. Yeah, this this character almost felt like it was uh, from like Pirates of the Caribbean. I would I would have believed it. Oh, that was very much the Flying Dutchman's gay, uh, gay cousin. <laughs> like I, yep. Every time I look at that, because I watch it once and then I watch it again just to see if there's anything I missed. Um, Because I'm like, they're scrolling my phone. Mm-hmm. And I kept getting that vibe is that it looks like and that's why I wish she would have taken her performance a bit more seriously and not, or yeah. not more seriously. I wish that she thought longer about what she might want to do on that stage beyond Absolutely. just move around. <laughs> Dolly loves the look and says it really is far out of the box from what they've seen up there. They say it's apparent what the story is as she is a monster coming out of a human's clothing and it's stunning. Swan says she's a fan of this character. She loves the idea of this monster trying to parade and walk among men, but wished the performance bolstered that idea as she felt she moved the way she always moves. Overall, she thinks it's really imaginative, cool, and a real success. 
Drax says it's really well done and has excellent taste in fabric choice, the colors, and the way she aged the fabric. She says it looks like a fantasy character come to life. She would have did she would have done something with the face. Squids have beaks, but it did a disservice to it all. Saint says as she was watching the floor show, she says there seemed to be missed opportunities. They never saw the full ex- extension, but she's still in her top but tells her to amp it up going forward. I'll give it a rising tide. Yep, same. Audience, 85% rising tide, 15% bottom feeder. Coco Kane, no designers listed. Um, in concept, this was a brilliant idea. I love that she is pushing her own boundaries and doing a drag king look. Mm-hmm. It is true to Coco. It is inevitably sexy and dark. What she did completely wrong is executing a concept that fit this challenge perfectly. Black and red are not sea colors. Black and purple, I'll give you that because we know a little um, sea witch who does those colors. Mm-hmm. But she needed to add some cool colors to make this work. I will firmly say that the hooves were also very look destroying. Um, there are no hooved creatures really in the sea. Sure, you can create anything you want for your monster, but it has to have some elements of the challenge. Give me gills, give me fins, give me scales. I need something aquatic. And I needed a mega trident like to the scale that she had in the Dungeons and Drag Queens challenge. Um, I think Coco could be great. She needs to keep pushing in this direction and it will eventually click. Yep, I completely agree. I feel like Coco, that concept was fantastic. And the only reason why I will say that black and red possibly could be aquatic colors is my brain immediately went to, follow me here. All right. The most recent Aquaman movie where you have all kinds of tribes and communities that are a part of Atlantis. And so I was like, okay, maybe she's from like the black and red community. I don't know. So I saw it in that way. Also, are we being painted to love everything that Coco does? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, oh, fully. No, like the, the, the face. The face is the thing we will always remember because it was perfection. Right. The face, I was like, okay, I might have a little time for Daddy Coco. And listen, um, when there's not a breastplate there, that is a body. Yep. And sometimes with the breastplate, I'm like, okay, Coco, you are confusing me. <laughs> yeah. Dolly says they didn't even recognize her when she came out on the stage and they've never seen this side of her and it's a good sign. They say it's a little more simplistic and if its execution had been a little bit more solid, they would be on board. They think the performance could have been a little more vicious as it was a little slower than they would have expected from a very Dom Poseidon sea daddy. Swan loves the gender play and succeeded in surprising her. What confuses her is this character from the sea and needed more to bring it there, whether it was weapons or some sort of spear or trident. She says it was a cool idea, but needed to be pushed further. Saint says the performance was a little bit slower and sexier for this kind of hard warrior-esque character, but thinks it's overall a good look. We will get the very ironic confessional of Coco saying it's rich that Saint is giving her critiques about a slow performance. Drax says her issue is not seeing aquatic stuff. She thinks the look is creative, but does not like it for a monster. Um, I mean, for the confessional, I'll give her like the best score ever. Yeah, uh, because who, what, whoever edited this episode, they knew. They they knew. I, either they knew or the universe, ha- I mean, obviously the universe has a sense of humor, but that is almost too hilariously synchronous like there is no way in the world these two things are happening at one time in this universe or it shouldn't be but ever since 2020 honey we've just jumped timelines Uh uh-huh um face up it's a rising tide overall bottom feeder i'm i I wish there was 
a verse joke to make here. I know <laughs> there is, and I'm trying to find it, but honestly, I think there's somewhere in the middle. The concept is fantastic, but that execution, it did miss something. And so because we have to look at everything, I gotta give my I gotta give my daddy bottom feeder. Audience, very mixed, 54% rising tide, 46% bottom feeder. I think a lot of people are just like, I love Coco, so they're going to mm-hmm. give it a positive. But Victoria Black, uh, look by Victoria. Uh, this is straight out of a sea monster movie. It did not work in the lighting the way I think she wanted it to because the lighting was just too low and like the color-changing heat thing, that was not a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredibly impressive, but I think I wanted more. She could have made it even grander, and that would have wowed us. This is expected. I think the teeth are terrifying. The shape of the silhouette is like a piece of wood. She's like literally just flat. It's good. It could have been great. Yeah, I felt like because there was no story there, it was just technical translation or adaptation of a concept into what we see here. That's the reason why it it didn't, it wasn't anything bigger than what it could have been, honestly. I think just her approach, while great, also meant that she was going to deliver something that a bit more limited in my opinion and at the same time just the technical aspects of it extraordinary at this point it really is vicky's seasons to lose in my opinion but because she's not only great but consistently so absolutely even though i think this week wasn't good i think what's interesting for this look and i think why i discussed the silhouette and being so flat and straight is she did give you that feminization with the lashes. So I was like, give me some curves then. Give me some hips. Give me a butt. But alas, um, Saint says, when people think of Victoria, this is what they expect. And she says she always delivers. She says it's cool as hell. Dolly says they are in awe of everything she steps out in. And this is nothing short of that. They say the detailing in the bodysuit is incredible. The only issue they had with it is was her stage presence. Because she looks absolutely frightening, they would have loved for her to be fully frightening. Swan says the look is complete and full from a horrific fantasy of Victoria Elizabeth Black and is realized live on stage. She says it's deadly and sickening. And Drax says that she thinks her craftsmanship was incredible. There just wasn't a lot of originality as it was literally a sea monster. She says she created a creature from the Black Lagoon and called it a day. She says they needed to see a little more interpretation from the challenges. Fair, but it's a rising tide. Yeah, yeah. Begrudgingly, I shall ride that tide. The audience, 81% rising tide, 19% bottom feeder. Hmm, interesting. All right, friends, let's do it. Melissa be fierce, no designers listed. She glued press-on nails to her face. I am sorry. That is why I'm completely out on this one. She didn't even do anything to the nails. Like, paint them silver. Paint them, like, iridescent. Give something to them. Uh, oh, I think this look on is perhaps maybe on that other show. Could have worked. But the fact that she chose the fabric and said, I'm calling it a day, inexcusable. This look was not right for this challenge on this show at this moment. But as a look, oh, my God, it's fun. It's really cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the teeth it's the teeth and that's what's so hard because honestly and while we try not to compare tv shows mm-hmm. but if if she were on drag race i fully think that we would not have gotten as kind of an edit because of that runway honestly especially if they wanted to just send her home right away because i do think that outside of the challenge it looks fantastic yes within the context of it it's like you didn't try 
which sucks. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it's it's crazy to me. Um, and that was my issue with Melissa on the season is because she is who she is, and we're not going to say she's not good at drag. She's a great drag artist. In the world of Dragula, I don't know if she fits completely in the box, and that's what's so hard about this show is we've been told what Dragula is by the, the Boulets for so long and now they're like no it could be anything it doesn't matter so it's really really hard to like critique her on the drag but then say drag is our artist objective it's we, we can't do that because it does not fit the mold of the show that's what's interesting with both I think there are other contestants in past Dragula's seasons where they have all kind of felt a little bit like that, but because this is Titans, I right. think it's heightened now. Yes. And that I think is kind of worrisome because like you're saying, yeah, it has to be both, I mean, it can be different and it can be new, but it has to be tangible. And right. sometimes these like tangible execution of this all-inclusive uh, horrific fantasy that we're all a part of gets a little murky when you actually have to see it in real life and have to allow space for folks to articulate their own version of that, which I fully respect. And also shit like this happens. This is what I think Mary Cherry thought she was looking like when she was a vampire fish. <laughs> what is so funny is that also, I'm sure Mary would have wanted that lighting because the lighting Literally. for this. <laughs> Literally, like I think that's maybe what I wanted from Melissa. Like, give me that, like the the anglerfish thing with the, the the light bulb at the end. Like, give me something. Well, I think they kind of fucked her up because the boule said earlier on when she went kind of far left from what they casted her to be and do that they want to see Melissa be Melissa. And so for that reason, I felt like like every good Capricorn internalized that feedback and said, "All right, new approach." Yeah. <laughs> so. Saint says she lost her because of the mouth prosthetic and it was a little hard to get the emotion she was getting from the other people and also feels like the dress needs to be a little more altered as they've seen the fabric and wish she were naked. Dolly loves the iridescent fabric with the silhouette of the light shining through. It made it a completely different color, but then says as soon as the lights came on, thinks the fabric choice was a little too on the nose for a literal mermaid fabric. Swan says she loves the fins the extended claws, but feels like it's way more icy. And Drax says everything on the exterior is the strength, but the middle part is disconnect. So the dress takes away from the sea monster. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's the teeth. I, I could get past the teeth, bottom feeder. Can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, same. Same. Audience, you're very, very kind. You're very kind. 52% rising tide, 48% bottom feeder. I can't believe you're done. Okay. Um, also, I, I mean, I'll, I'm just going to say it now. When we get to the fight in the cauldron the way that one tooth was just about to fall off <laughs> i couldn't get past it eva destruction hair by dahlia black look by pinwheel pinwheel love new york representation oh, well and pinwheel i already said on your instagram this is one of the best looks in the show's history i was mesmerized i was tickled with excitement mm -hmm. the story she told with presentation literally helped push this over the edge. It gave me Ursula in the horror live action version of Little Mermaid. The way it lit up in the face was just perfection. I think the hair could have been even larger to match the proportions of the entirety of the look, but this was a solid, extraordinary look. This is every fantasy of Ursula's baby sibling I've ever wanted to see. 
because I was like, oh, you are connected to that family. And for some reason, you are there to terrorize Ariel's baby daughter uh, for family honor or whatever. Check that yep. uh, Disney. So maybe I would want <sighs> the lighting of this show sometimes fucking frustrates me. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like this year that they are showing on their Instagram, like the photos of the contestants that they clearly took backstage. Yeah. And that's when you see what they look like. And you're like, oh, that's not what I saw on stage. That part. And sometimes if I can see it all, because <laughs> right. <laughs> the lights are either too dim or the edit is too fast. And they're trying to show it like a snuff film, but also have time for you to be able to take in every look and every detail. And also when they start critiquing details that like you can't even see. Right. Sometimes um, that's where I'm like, Drag Race does at least have that part down. And I think having Melissa go first, then Eva, Eva does have elements of the iridescent in her look, but the way she has it, it works. And I think that's what Melissa didn't capture. Yeah, I think it, I think it was because Eva's wasn't so literal in the right. same way that, yeah, Melissa's felt, I think, too literal. Yeah. So also just Eva's performance. Like she is someone Perfect. that I've She's always- a theater kid. Thank you. And I've always admired that about her because anyone that as a drag performer can tell a story without opening their mouth to me is absolutely incredible. I'm more of a talker than a shower. (laughs) So I always admire anyone that can do that without having to waste breath. Saint says she was gagged watching the floor show with tens across the board. She didn't know how she was going to sell the bowl, but then she started to bounce and the hand came out perfect dolly says it was absolutely stunning they saw what eva was they say it was a nice little treat that she was so hideous underneath drax says that some people create looks but they can't sell it on stage the look wears them but says she pulled it off and sold it swan says she first thought what the fuck what are they looking at and then literally and figuratively peeled away she says it was pretty on the outside then really ugly on the inside like so many bitches she knows in the best possible way yeah yeah seems also rising tide yeah, a- absolute tsunami. Like <laughs> that right there is. Anybody out. I'm not calling anybody out. Audience, 93% rising tide, 7% bottom feeder. Okay, okay. I will say if they were just looking at the look, the look yep. is impressive. That's fair. It is fantastic. But if you were to watch how we took in that look, which was first of all, six minutes of drums in the beginning. <laughs> so. <laughs> I was like, if this does not look like the best shit I've ever seen on this stage, I'm gonna be pissed for that alone. But we had yeah. that intro music, this full moment, and then they told us this was the best look. So yeah. we were kind of primed to give it a rising time. The winner of the week is Eva. Astrid, Victoria, and Hoso are safe, leaving Coco and Melissa as the bottom two. Do you agree? Yeah, I, and I hate I, it. Yeah, I agree. Now, I don't know how the show worked how much they knew or whatever but the fact that drag is like if you have anything to say say it now you knew you knew like and it's so funny because honestly i feel like that was their way of telling miss melissa that she's going home Mm -hmm. and at the same time because we're supposed to be a bit more generous in our evaluation of that edit It just Mm -hmm. looks like they're trying to set up unnecessary drama, which by now we are tired of. Right. Speaking of, how about a lot of drama? Let's do it. The monsters are going to get into the cauldron. 
and Melissa is over it. If she's going home, she's going to go home with a bang and call the bitches out because she says she's not leaving without them knowing how she really feels. So let's mm-hmm. start March. <laughs> she will say that she feels furious as fuck and was close to quitting the day before. Why? Well, she is sick and tired of the bullshit and the drama, and we are going to get a montage of drama that you do find on reality TV. Perhaps Melissa forgot that this is not just a regular bar gig, it's a produced television show, but I digress. She will go on to say that she's sick of the two-facedness and, again, we get a montage. She will say that she is a real-ass bitch and she kept it real with all of them. And I was like, okay, where's that tape? Show me that tape. And no, we don't get that one. Nothing, nothing. We're going to have Coco and Confessionals say that people are concerned about how they will come off, so they try to control their image, and that is allegedly what Melissa is talking about. Interesting. I don't know if I agree with that. Yeah. That, I mean, honestly, in the words of Miley Cyrus, hurt people hurt people. And I feel like that's honestly what we're seeing is like something has been built up. And this feels like a classic Capricorn meltdown (laughs) where you are so backed up against the wall because you've let this fester that you have no idea why you're so fucking mad. But you're mad. (laughs) And you will tell somebody about it. Eva will say that she has a love and respect for her and that there was never a second she talked shit about her behind her back. And then rather than saying it to her face, we have a confessional from Melissa saying that she knows that Eva is 100% a two-faced bitch. Girl, you just contradicted yourself. Yeah, yeah. Again, we are once again bringing in production and the producers into the conversation, which makes not only the fourth wall broken, but we as viewers not privy to part of this conversation unless the editors decide to show specific moments, Mm -hmm. which is like never. Astrid will say that she never talked behind the production back and Melissa is like, you did. And Astrid's like, I will direct to them. How can I be two-faced if I said it to them? Astrid will hit the nail on the head in confessional and says that Part of Melissa is fighting to say part of her is deeply hurt and part of her is just pissed off and it's all blending together. Now, Melissa is going to take aim at the quiet one of the group as she calls out Victoria about calling out Coco to the boules about Coco making her shit last minute. Melissa will say that this was a red flag. Now, to be fair, I know it's not the other show, but like you should have your shit together when you get to set. Like this is again, not season one or season two. You don't have days off in between to build your looks. This is a condensed filming schedule where you bring it and you pretend to do it on camera. Mm-hmm. Like there have literally been stories of people saying, I'm not in those scenes because I don't have anything to do and they can't make me do anything. And I think that's what they both want to show. And at the same time, that's almost impossible based on the level of presentation they want. Right. Like it's not, you both want to show, or at least you and I have talked about one of the things we loved about the show is seeing all the construction, which yes. And at the same time, you want people to come in with looks that could only be created, <laughs> at least equitably and across the board, can only right. be created by someone had it preparing it prior to. Yeah. It's wild. Now, Victoria will know will own up to saying that about Coco, but she says that it's a read on everyone who was making their shit the day before. Melissa will tell her to say names, and then when she says Melissa, she flips out. She was motherfucking stoning. I mean, <laughs> I'm team Victoria on this one. If you're prepared, you should be fully fucking done with your looks because then you have what Coco presented, and she got read for it. I mean, I feel like just that part of her saying, you were stoning. Yeah. 
I now, Coco, t-shirt as well. All right. Now Coco will call Victoria out and say that she was working on her shit too. And she's like, what if I was? And I was like, come on, Victoria. We, we got to work on your comebacks. That was bad. Melissa's going to have a temper tantrum with her drink. She's going to throw her gloves to the floor. That tooth is just fl- hanging by a thread. And Coco will state that it's moments like this that make it hard to be part of the sisterhood. Listen, what happens on camera is for the show. And if you can't separate the two, then maybe the show is not the right fit for you, Melissa. This has now ignited Victoria, who will get loud as she bitches about saying one thing while everyone else does it. She says she likes getting the, um, she feels like she's getting the brunt of the fight sent toward her. When Victoria says that she's the only one who's prepared and Astrid says it really doesn't matter, Coco will then call Astrid out and say it's really irritating to her by the fact that she never backs her up. So now we're getting into a personal thing that has never come up aside from one conversation earlier in the season. And this is where I'm like, all right, Coco, don't get caught slipping. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, relax. In the moment, we're going to be like, okay, yes, yes. It's okay that she creates her drag last minute. And I do believe as the words are coming out of her mouth, Astra will realize, wait, I just accidentally read you. My bad. Did not intend to. Victoria will say to Melissa that when the camera turns on, she turns into a raging bitch. And this will cause Melissa to walk out. She just she, She's not going to take the heat. Meanwhile, Hoso just has not had the wrath of Melissa. So she's just going to camouflage herself in the couch eating popcorn. Mm-hmm. Asher will call out the lack of accountability. She says that Melissa doesn't want to take accountability for turning into a raging bitch on camera. Coco will be like, well, you don't take accountability for being a brat. Astrid will be like, well, it takes time. Here I am. And Coco will be like, well, it takes time. Here she is. Astrid goes, uh, well, she may not have the time. And Coco's like, you may not have the time. And I'm like, middle school playground. Come on, people. The comebacks want a refund. All I'm saying is, Hosa saying the sound bites are popping off today sent me. Uh, also, I am yes. very much Hoso in this situation. <laughs> yeah, I, I would be too. Though I would be like, okay, can I tweet this at this moment? Right. Um, when Astrid will ask what this has to do with why Melissa should stay, she starts screaming that she doesn't care if she goes home. She's going home. She's ready to quit. And now Victoria will suddenly turn on the waterworks and cry as she says to Melissa that she is still family and asks not to shut out. So this will be the thing that gets her to leave the room officially. We're going to hear her like start sobbing in the hallway, fall to the ground, and we're going to have someone from production talking to her. She will say that she wants to leave. She's feeling a pain that she can't explain and goes on to say that she doesn't want to be there. It's all hitting her. Coco to the group will say, how can they all call themselves her friends if they can't support her now? Melissa is going to tell production that she is angry that they're not fessing up and she's sitting there looking like the stupid one because she's speaking her truth. She says that she doesn't want to leave the competition. It's because of the fucking shady ass fuck fake ass bitches that they are. She says that they don't give a fuck and she won't either. She wants Coco to stay. Uh, It's hard to sympathize here because there's rage, there's anger, and it's all just spewing out in an incoherent way. Maybe there's more coherence that we're not privy to, but we're not seeing it. So what is so funny is when I was watching the episode and obviously you're like, who would I be in this argument? At first I thought I would be Coco, but then I was like, wait, I don't like necessary drama that spends one expends too much energy. Also I have the memory of a goldfish, so I'm not going <laughs> to come with receipts. Right. So I would be Hoso, but then I'm like, oh no, I would just be sitting there looking at 
Melissa kind of spiral out. And once she finally starts crying, I'm like, that's it, girl. Let it all out. Because honestly, this feels like this has both everything to do with the competition and nothing at all to do with the competition. Victoria will still have emotions. And listening to her through her costume was very camp uh, because she can't really talk properly. Yeah. Um, but she will not. Uh, she will note that she saw her looking secluded and says that she should have been there for her and she might have betrayed her. That's not how she wants to feel. I was like, w- w- this. there's a lot of time here that we missed from this fight. But Melissa will be offered the chance to go back and see them, but she declines and she does not want to see them. The production person will tell the room that she does not wish to continue with the competition or return to the cauldron. And now Coco will say that she's disappointed and can't blame her, clearly placing all the blame on everyone else in the room. So she's going to go find her. In confessional, Coco will say that she's frustrated that the tangents of sisterhood and being there for each other are not real, as there is no sisterhood with Melissa crying. Coco will tell Melissa in the boudoir that she works too hard and she's too talented and strong to go out like this. She will tell her to not throw away the representation they need. Melissa says that the vibe and energy is fake as fuck. Coco will give her props for dealing with it for this long, which goes to show how badly she wants it. But Melissa will tell her that she is ready to clock out because she knows how bad Coco wants it and how good she's been doing. She wants her to go full force. All right. A lot. I mean, this is going to be one of those Dragula moments. This one will be the one we talk about. Um, mm-hmm. It's just doesn't make sense fully. And I think that um, maybe in a couple months, years, we'll have some of the contestants speak on it a little more because, like you said, it has everything to do with the competition. It has nothing to do with the competition. Yeah. We know this person was hurting. We know that someone did something vile to her before going to the competition. Like, I personally don't know if I could hate someone that much to leave them before a huge opportunity i don't think i could do that Mm -hmm. and it just sucks it really really sucks for melissa yeah but the show didn't help her not at all and i think that's why at least the edit allows for someone like me or anyone else to view this with a bit more kindness than how other folks might want to read it because i'm like oh this is I think it's because I've, I've been there before where I'm like, oh, I know where this anger is coming from and it is not you, but you are the reciprocal of this right now. Right. So I am going to dump it all into you. Um, so I, I think that's why at the very least, I'm happy that the edit seemed kind. But I also hope that Melissa got is getting, will continue to get whatever she needs to yeah. heal. We will see Coco and Melissa go to the main stage to officially discover their fate. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit surprised that there was no discussion from the Boulets about what transpired and them being like, well, this is our final decision. Don't play that game. I mean, Melissa quit. This was probably more of a contractual obligation. She did not get eliminated. Melissa B. Fierce quit Dragula Titans. And that's, that's just what happened. Mm-hmm. But we're going to watch Melissa go through the trap doors. It's over for her. But knowing what the accusations against the Boulay brothers have been and not having a fair or healthy environment for the contestants to be a part of, mm-hmm. not seeing them just communicate to her on screen amplifies these accusations to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it... 
I would say when I first started reading about all this shit that happened off the show, <laughs> speaking of everything to do with the competition and nothing to do with the competition, um, I was like, how? And I was like, wait, this makes also complete sense. How many times have we, you know, thought someone was an ally only for their allyship to be performative and right. only for it to come out in particular spaces? Meanwhile, something in the milk ain't clean. So that I think does make sense, unfortunately. And also I'm like, y'all got to get out in front of this or something like just ignoring it is only going to make this worse. So, yeah. It's, it's really unfortunate because that was one of their contestants, one of their people hurting and there was no empathy there. None. Mm -hmm. Yet you contrast that moment with uh, Drag Race UK, this most recent season, baby prioritizing her mental health and quitting the show or voluntarily leaving the competition, whichever legalese you need to use. Um, we're seeing two different ways of showcasing that. We right. see on one hand an edit that celebrates someone choosing themselves over a piece of metal because they're not getting any money <laughs> versus someone just kind of going through and being too toxic to be on the show, which we've seen in past Drag Race seasons. So yeah, two different ways to deal with it. And shocker, Drag Race did it better. Right. And then, I mean, like, again, everything's full circle. It's almost like, why do these two episodes come out at the same time? Watching Canada versus the world this week and watching Isis go through what she was going through. It makes no sense to us viewers. We're like, what happened? Yeah. And then she goes to Roscoe's and spills some things she probably should not have spilled. Um, <laughs> I love drag. Great. But then, like, I will always go back. I don't know if you watched Drag Race Espana mm -mm, um, mm -mm. when Inti quit. I did watch Supreme, that moment. Supreme Deluxe went backstage and spoke to her. That's yeah. what needs to happen in moments like this. Brooklyn Heights, get your ass backstage and talk to Isis. Rue, go backstage and talk to Baby. Boulez, go talk to Melissa. This is a pressure cooker. You know what the show takes now. Everyone has done it many times. You have to put mental health in front. And what's so funny is I'm going to say this knowing full well, possibly as a controversial statement for several reasons, but do you know who else would have gone backstage had Melissa decided to not come out? Who? Nikki Doll. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, <laughs> there's something about certain hosts of, these drag shows, some are either very connective and, and human and others are really talking points. So, right. Yeah. I think, again, like as much as I love reality TV shows, I know what, what happens. I know there are psychologists on site. They are the ones who are supposed to deal with it. But also you have to put the face in front of it as well. You need the person who's the face of the franchise to handle it and just at least try to be sympathetic and be like, okay, I know I can't help you here, but if you need anything, here's my number. Something. All right. I got some burning questions to wrap this podcast up. Are you ready? Let's do it. What is Melissa's legacy? The strongest competitor that also knew when to send herself home. Yeah. I'm also going to say she's a fucking shit stirrer and she knows I was it. <laughs> destructively. So I know. It's, it's so funny watching both Melissa and Coco be on the season together because they have similar inclinations 
to kind of yeah. shit stir, but th- it feels like Coco is a bit more aware and mindful of how to do it without putting too much uh, emotion into it the way she gets drawn into it and she can't Absolutely. back out. So, All right. I mean, I know there's going to be twists and turns probably coming up next week, but who's eliminated next? It is either going to be... It's either going to be Eva or, at least for me, I feel like it's either going to be Eva or it's going to be Astrid. I think, I mean, if we're going by track record, it has to be Astrid. Um, Hoso's found herself in the bottom a couple times, so she needs to pull herself out quickly. But I think if we're going based strictly on track record, unfortunately, Astrid's always been a great runner-up in uh, these challenges, and she might find herself out of here because of it. Very true. And I also think from the reality TV show side of things, now that you've gotten rid of Melissa and all this can finally come down, where does the tension then go? Who right. then is a person that by just breathing <laughs> makes everybody irritated in some way? So I feel like they may, want to, they may want to keep that energy with them all the way to the mm-hmm. very end, especially if they don't have a very exciting ending. After seven episodes, the winner of the season is... It is Vicky Kane. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, these the 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 Boulet brothers are not going to do double power. They're, They're not. not. I think it's going to go um, to Victoria Black. I think it's going to really do think so. I think once she said this episode is her time, I think they know it's her time, and this was all. So. And we're starting um, to see more human from Victoria, which is absolutely. Like, I mean, yeah. I, for me, like uh, the, that fight to, in this episode, I was like, okay, yeah, you deserve it because you've give, you're giving us a full arc finally. Yes, you have shown up crying, but you've shown up. All right, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Yes, uh, you can find me at Zora Speakeasy on Instagram as well as Cash App. Um, and then anything that's coming up for me, well, I have a monthly show at Albatross. It is the Beyond the Binary Mixer, which is a social event for trans folks, uh, non-binary folks, other folks who live beyond the binary and the allies that love us. So hopefully I'll see y'all there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was a blast. Thank you, dear. Always a pleasure. Hey, huge thanks to Zora for coming on. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash blogtalk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.